podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Celtic State of Mind, it is Friday, which means my name is Laura Bradburn and I'm joined as always by Tony Haggerty. How are you doing, Tony? I'm very well, yourself, Laura. How are you doing? Not too bad. And as has become the habit, we're doing a bit of squad rotation this week. No gym, but we do have Alan Morrison, who you'll know as at Celtic by Numbers on Twitter and one of the contributors to the Huddle Breakdown podcast. How are you doing, Alan? Yeah, very good. Thanks. A bit of a, a youth team uh, stepping up this Friday. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see, we'll see how you go. We'll see if you get another chance after this. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I, qualif- I think I qualify as an over-23 player in the, in the youth team. <laughs> I like you. The 30s, I guess. Well, considering I'm going to be 50 this year, thanks for that. Yeah, that's not too bad. Not too bad. Um, thanks everybody for joining us. Plenty to talk about. Obviously, we've got uh, we've got Celtic returning to action. I believe it's on Monday against Hibs, and we're all looking forward to that. So we will touch on that towards the end of the show. But plenty more to discuss. Uh, Ange had a lot of comments to make yesterday, uh, which we'll also be touching on as well, mm. uh, especially about, as you can see in the banner, uh, on Riley McGree. Um, but the first thing I wanted to talk about to you guys, and I'll, I'll bring up a comment by um, Sean F., which kind of uh, sort of encompasses it all there, uh, who says, I'm actually glad we didn't get Riley McGree because we lost enough internationals to Japan yeah. and also Australia. Hopefully we're looking for another gem in Europe like Jota now that's an interesting point Tony and I'll come to you first because one of the things that I wanted to talk about was Dan Orlowitz friend of the show and writer for um, the Japan Times uh, as he is uh, wont to do on Twitter sometimes sometimes lays it out exactly, exactly as it is for Celtic fans was talking about you know, um, how the Japan team for the upcoming internationals is going to be picked uh, towards the end of January and uh, the fact that, you know, if Kyogo's fit, he'll be an instant pick. If he's not fit, then Dyson Maida will probably be his replacement. Uh, Rio Hatati has some chance of being called up, but not a great one, and probably no chance of Adiguchi getting a call up. But it, it brings to, to mind the, the wider question of, with the Australian and Japanese players that we've got, and the amount of travelling they have to do, the amount of... Um, internationals they have that are out of sync with the European calendar 
what are your thoughts on that in terms of the problems that it can that can cause us? And do you think it's a, a real consideration that's made when these players are, are purchased for us? We spoke about that the last time Alan was on, didn't we, Alan? About kind of three days minimal break and rest time and recuperation time and stuff like that. Of course it's going to cause you problems. But mm. you know that when you sign them. And we knew about the qualifiers coming up for uh, the Japanese players that might be involved, like Kyogo, like Maeda, obviously Rogic. So this is something that Celtic were well aware of. Angus himself has said he's well aware of it, but he wouldn't try and stop the players from representing their countries because it's the, the highest honour you can have as a footballer. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a traditionalist that way. I think Alan said he was as well, that... that you cannot stop players representing our country. Why would you? And uh, I'm all for it. But I guess it's just if you're a Celtic supporter, you're thinking Celtic and you're being narrow-minded about it, possibly selfish about it, and you want your best players for what's going to, what's shaping up to be January and into February before the play Rangers are shaping up to be every bit as crucial as the December was. It's just passed. So... Uh, yeah, it's it could be problematic, and then it brings in the wider question: Will Celtic ask for the Rangers game to be postponed? You know, we'll see the nuclear fallout from that if that does happen. But the way Andrew's talking, he he doesn't seem to be wanting to go down that route. But certainly aware that when you sign these players, of the travel involved especially for international World Cup qualifiers. And it was Alan that gave us a bit of an insight into that, about the three-day thing and stuff like that the last time he was on, which was quite insightful. And it was also uh, you know, educational. And, you know, I get that uh, you have to travel and you and if players are called up for international duty, you release them. But, you know, it, it is a problem for Celtic. And it's going to be a problem for these qualifiers but they knew that and Ange was always preparing for that and at no point has he said that Celtic would call for a postponement of the, the Rangers game on the February the 2nd and I think at this moment in time they will press ahead and operate as is. Mm. I think I think that's a fair point and um, Alan, I'll come to you on it. I- First of all, I'm in total agreement with Tony that I don't think that the choice of players that we sign should dictate how the fixtures go. You know, we've made those choices and we have to stick with those choices and the calendar is what the calendar is. But but to come to you on that, what do you think of that point? And also, um, do you think that, you know, we're all very excited with the, the new targets that, that Ange is, is targeting, the, the, the Far East where he's been a manager, Australia that's obviously native to him, and talk of him, him signing some Iranian players I think was another option which he, which he mentioned in a press conference back in December. Do you think targeting of these markets perhaps has been stifled by this being an ongoing issue for clubs or do you think it's a bit more simple than that and that people haven't thought to look there from Europe before? Got it. So just just before I go to that, I, I was I was devastated that we didn't sign McGree, Laura. I was thinking mm. of you because I knew that you'd be at home thinking it's 
you know, here's Tom Rogic and Postacoglu got a new wee mate to play with, you know, to have barbecues <laughs> around their house, to play fetch, boomerang and all that sort of stuff. I knew you'd be devastated if, if, if you didn't have that other wee mate to play with. So, I'll so tell sorry you about that. There is, a, there is a first floor window that I'm just about to jump out of after that particular comment, but I'll let you carry on. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I couldn't resist it. He was the best medicine and all that. Um, so so okay. I, I, a, couple, a couple of things then. I think, I think you're absolutely spot on right so this shouldn't be the major compelling criteria for why we do or don't sign players um i think what what we're seeing and what we're learning actually uh, and, and all the great new contacts like dan that we've made because of signing japanese players uh is is that there are actually still believe it or not some markets that are mm-hmm. under exploited as far as certainly european football is concerned and european football has traditionally been where the money is although you know the MLS is growing uh, and signing quite quite high-profile players, and and we know that some of the Middle Eastern um, uh, football uh, football leagues are growing and, and, and obviously having money thrown at them, and, and even even in Japan is like a, a rising league. But in terms of you know, finding players that are perhaps potentially undervalued. I mean, if if you said if if you, if you know, Japan are pretty highly ranked, uh, I can't remember exactly where they are ranked in the world, but I'm thinking it's in the twenties somewhere. Um, and we've actually signed four players who are of the standard that would get into the national squad for a total of less than ten million. That's quite astonishing, actually. Um, and I know I know that uh, Dan's bemoaned the fact that the Japanese seem to let their talent go too cheaply in his view and that that may well be the case but for for, for Celtic that is that is a great value so I think there's some market inefficiencies if I can call them those that Celtic should continue to exploit and that should be the you know the, the more important criteria over and above the uh, disruption caused by international call-ups I think the, on the international call-up side I'm a little bit surprised that these, because I think one of the things that has happened over the last few years, I mean, football is now completely globalised. There's, as I say, very few markets that aren't known about or that you can't get some data on or, or even or even view a stream of matches from now. It's, it's fully accessible in all leagues, really. Um, is that they start to harmonise the international calendar around specific international dates so that World Cup qualifiers all happen at the same time. This seems to be a bit out of cycle compared to the European fixture, so I'm a bit surprised about that. But I think that will always be a risk, and you've got things like the African uh, you know, Cup of Nations happening now, uh, which obviously is, is, is their winter. Um, so there will always be that risk. I think it's something you just have to live with uh, because I think the benefits would far outweigh those those disadvantages, and and I think it's it's only something that Celtic need to spend more uh, effort looking at. I mean, post Brexit, the the landscape's changed in terms of you know um, how players can be where players can be uh, sourced from, and it seems mm-hmm. like Scotland has got a particularly loose in, um, set of criteria by which players can be brought in. So compared to England, this is so. Uh, for example, there's a um, like a fifteen point maximum you can get if you're assessing a player for their suitability to be granted a work permit they look at things like you know what is the quality of the league they're coming from uh, have they progressed in that league in terms of what, you know how many appearances how many international appearances how many minutes in internet in continental competition how far did they get in international competition so the, the, you, you, you assign points to these things and top them up now in England, you need ten to fourteen points out of fifteen. Um, you need you need fifteen for a work permit. If you get ten to fourteen, 
there's there's what's called an exceptions panel that will sit and, and make a judgment. But in Scotland, that that points uh, doesn't apply. It's purely arbitrary, it seems, or uh, discretionary. And we do like discretion in Scottish football. Um, it's discretionary uh, as to who gets uh, referred to the exceptions panel. And it seems like mm. you know Celtic have taken advantage of that. And the exceptions panel look at two things. Are they of the highest caliber? I mean, how fluffy is that? And mm. secondly, will they contribute significantly to the development of the game at the top level in Scotland? Again, it's completely a subjective, fluffy uh, thing. I don't know who's on the exceptions panel. I don't know what criteria really they, they use to judge those two those two points. But my, my point, my, 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 sorry, Tony. It used to be that it was seventy five percent of internationals. Yeah, it's, that's just one of it's just one of many criteria now. Yeah, I listed, I think I listed them all right there. You yeah. add up the points, and you got to get to fifteen essentially, and then you'll get your yeah. work permit. So, what the point I'm trying to make is that Celtic need to be spending more, investing more time and effort in looking at these markets, even if it means bringing in players that they have to fight with the exceptions panel to get to get over the line. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's it, it, there's a lot more that goes to uh, into it than I think we sometimes give it credit for. But to to ask you. Uh, Alan, I don't know if you covered it, but I'd said to Tony, but Jim Hannaway releases, uh, brings up a point on YouTube, team is developing well, squad will be good enough to beat Jairs. Worth seeking a postponement, though, just to see how it goes. Is that something you agree with, or would you just crack on with the games as they are? So, listen, this is professional sport, right? And you use every single margin you can get, right? Uh, and if you, th- if you think for one second that the team across the city would not use every single um not just the law book, but the spirit of the law book to get any advantage they possibly could, then you're, you're joking, right? So if, if if the rules are that Celtic can postpone the game because they have X number of players on international duty, then and if the manager thinks that, that he's, he's not going to be able to put out his best team because of that, then you postpone the game. It's as simple as that. Interesting. Tony, what do you make of that one? I tend to agree. It's just mm. from what the manager's utterances, public utterances have been, uh, so Tony, can I just just come on that because I think I think he was I think people have taken the wrong. What he said was from and I'm I'm and correct me if I'm not remembered this correctly. What he said was he's accepted the fact that the players will be going away on international duty. Yeah. He didn't comment on whether the game would be postponed or not. He just no, said no, he ex- I, yeah 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 that and I because he if he was wanting it postponed he might have said it. That's all I'm saying. He hasn't specifically said that he doesn't want it postponed. But I agree with Alan. Celtic have three or more players away on international. Why wouldn't he ask for postponement? It's perfectly within the rules. You're not doing anything wrong. So mm. you, Ange wants his strongest team to play against Rangers. Celtic supporters want to see the strongest team to play against Rangers. It could turn out to be one of the pivotal and most crucial games of the season. So if, you spend, if, you can, if, you, if you can spend £100 million and, you, and, yeah. you're, and you're worried about not being four for and you're getting a game postponed, I'm sorry, then we can postpone the game. You know, so, <laughs> I, so yeah, something probably within the rights. As I say, the manager hasn't specifically said that as of yet, as Alan rightfully pointed out, but I, I think it's something that Celtic, as Alan alluded to there, we need to look at. You know, mm. we'll, we'll find out what is the 22nd of... January the this is the squad's twenty second yeah the twenty second is when the squad's announced uh, the game matches are on the twenty seventh Thursday twenty yeah. seventh I've got the first game and then Tuesday the first of February is the second game now the good news for Celtic is that both games are in Saitama so there's no additional travelling over and beyond players yeah. going to Japan and back again 
The other, the other good thing about it is, I think, is we're talking about, from what Dan Orlowitz was saying, it looks like if Kyogo's going, that means Maida won't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the chances of both uh, Hatati and Adiguchi getting called up are, are slim anyway. So you're talking about potentially only losing one, maybe two players. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Uh, Daniel F on YouTube says, I'm sure um, Neil Gaunt- Doncaster has said there's no more available dates for the fixture. So that might be the oh. case. Um, <laughs> the, the rules, <laughs> the rules, right? <laughs> you'll have to find one. Bottom yeah. Line. They'll have to play on a Monday and a Wednesday or something. Yeah, on Monday, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. People have had to do that in the past. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a, it's a, yeah, I think to, for him to come out and say that there's no available dates when you've got up to six months to play the fixture is, is, is nonsense, but we'll see We'll see how it goes. Um, thanks, everybody, for commenting on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, wherever you're watching us. Don't forget you can watch... Uh, a Celtic State of Mind every day between 12.30 and 1.30 as well as our match coverage and then the State of Mind YouTube channel's got plenty of other com- content that involves football and other things so get subscribed and get the bell on to get notified when we go live there's plenty of content there um, moving on to a slightly um, different topic but still related to what we we're talking about, obviously Riley McGree uh, looks like he is joining Middlesbrough after what looks like a, a you know a little bit of a battle for his services. Um, it was painted in the in the the media somewhat that this was a massive loss for Celtic, a player that they'd been chasing, and came out and basically debunked that, saying it was an opportunity that arose um, that that didn't come through. But he was speaking to Record Sport, um, I believe it was yesterday, maybe the day before, um, and I've just want to read out a little bit of what what he said. Um, it wasn't really anything too drastic for us. It was just a discussion and a player know, I know well. And for me, it was interesting proposition, but it didn't work out, which is fine. And we move on. Um, it's an indication for me that this isn't the right place for him as it works both ways. I only want players who want to be here. Um, I won't try to convince any player to come and sign for this football club. I won't. If they decide, if they can't see opportunities that exist here, then that's part of the deal for me. The ones we have all signed all wanted to come here. It's an easy decision. Everyone has their own free will to decide what's best for them, but I'm not going to sell this club to anyone on its attributes or virtues. Tony, I'll come to you on that. When I read that, I stood up and I was beating my chest and I was doing everything. A stark contrast to what we had last season where uh, our previous manager, Neil Lennon, made us aware that there were numerous players in the in the dressing room who had made their desire to leave known. And here mm-hmm. we've got a manager who won't entertain the idea of signing a player who might not want to come here. What do you make of that? Because some people would say, absolutely, no doubt I'm going to let my heart roll my head. If you don't want to play for Celtic, we don't want you. Some others might say, well, if the quality of the player is good enough, we should try harder to convince them. Where, where do you stand on that? Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. 
This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And Ange, they trust. The manager says he's not good enough. Not, not good enough, or the manager says... There's no two, two different narratives have, have sprung from this, haven't they? That this guy snubbed Celtic and you know that kind of thing. And Angie said it was a conversation, and from the conversation, he wanted to go elsewhere. He's, he's been unequivocal in that since he came in. He only wants players that play for the team. You see, you were beating your chest. You probably were the only Celtic supporter that was beating your chest at his comments. It's it's bluntness to the point of brutal honesty, isn't it? <laughs> but, I mean, but then that's the way he is. He just says it like it is. You know that you know, Riley McGree was a name that came from kind of left field over the past couple of days. But I think the fact that I think, I think some media outlets had said it was done, it was a done deal, you know, that might have upped him a bit, you know, because it was the manager's telling you this was a conversation I had with a guy who, you know, once he came away from that conversation probably wasn't convinced that he wanted to play for Celtic. So mm. that was it. That That's, you know, the guy became available. They had a word. He kind of went, mm, hummed and hawed. See, if you don't go like that, yeah. And you don't ask how much. You say, where do I sign? That's the kind of conversation Ange wants potential Celtic players to have with him. You know, you come in, you sit down, and it's higher. Would you like to sign for Celtic? Yeah. Where's the pen? That's that's the kind of player he wants. That's the kind of attitude he wants. That's the kind of attitude we want from our manager. You know, that someone who will respond to the manager. So I am quite willing to back the manager's judgment on this. Whatever narrative or whatever uh, has been portrayed in the media, you know, the manager has the final say on this. And it was also a bit near the end of that, he was talking about lies and fabrications I'll let you know was what he said so yeah if there's something to announce I'll tell you if there's players coming to the club we'll tell you and Riley McGree isn't coming to the club we move on and again I don't think the manager feels it is any great loss either mm-hmm. but I think well, he was really particularly not particularly but I think a wee bit disappointed in the player possibly and the way the agents have conducted themselves over this. Yeah, I think there's there's plenty there. Helen McCallum agrees. She says Ange takes no crap from any player who's messing the club about. And uh, diplomatic than that, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike TW10 says I reckon that's why certain players aren't getting a game. Ange they ju- knows they just don't want to be here. So that's um, speculation, but it, it's possible. 
it's possible. Um, Alan, what do you make of those comments? Like I said to Tony, it, it's easy as a Celtic supporter to be swept up in those comments to to think to yourself, yes, this is exactly what I want. I don't want a player to be here. But as we all know, we've had players in the past who are diehard, uh, dyed-in-the-wool, bleed-green-and-white Celtic fans who've played for the club who haven't necessarily been the best players for us. Do you think there's a is there a middle ground somewhere or is this the attitude that you should be taking towards uh, signing players? Yeah, I mean, it was. I think it, we're getting used to Postacoglu's style and the fact that as Tony said, he's, 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 he can't help himself but be uh, completely honest. Uh, and, and I think that's a, a, a hugely powerful weapon. Um, he also has a particularly low bullshit threshold, I think. And uh, that, again, has got to be a good thing because there's a lot of it about in football. I mean, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm speculating and reading between the lines, but I think his anger at lies and fabrications suggests that there's some people went in really hard on this McGree story, you know, like you say, saying it was over the line and clearly it wasn't. And um, I suspect some agents have been playing games around uh, driving up the value of their player and getting drumming up interest elsewhere. And Celtic are an obvious fit. They're a big name. And you've got the Australian mates factor, as we talked about earlier, to kind of uh, embellish the story and give it the little cherry on top. So it all kind of makes sense and plays well, etc. But this is a guy who's made a good reputation in the championship, and a championship club that's investing uh, and trying to get back up to the Premier League is 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 going to end up signing him. So I think that's really the, the bottom and top of it. I think with with um, with Angie's approach, there's going to be people that we miss out on because um, you know football <laughs> shock horror is a pretty nasty game and full of very sort of uh, dubious and dishonest people. And uh, you know I, I suspect Ange doesn't uh, doesn't attract <laughs> the, the time uh, with those people. But so we might we might miss out on some some good players who've got bad actors or bad agents, which is probably not a bad thing to be honest with you. But what what, what but you know you mentioned about players not wanting to be here. Uh, one of the benefits or surprises or learnings I've taken from doing the whole data analysis stuff is it, it, it astonishes me continually, um, and I'll, I'll and I'll repeat myself endlessly every time I'm on here probably about this point, which is the, the gap between what you might think is a top, top player and what you might perceive as being a sort of middle middle ground player is actually quite small. In terms of the mm. margins, that you know, they are really tiny in terms of performance metrics. And if you've got somebody um, who is, uh, in all intents and purposes, uh, you know, a, a really, really good player who contributes a lot, whose heart isn't in it and doesn't want to be here and is perhaps not playing fully to their abilities because of that unhappiness, then you, in my view, you're actually better putting in a much inferior inferior player who's, who's going to be try, you're trying that because the, the margins are so small. So, so to me, I think, I think Ange gets that intrinsically. I think he understands that, A, because he's, uh, he's got an incredibly high uh, sense of emotional intelligence and B, because he's also a data guy and I think he understands that performance variables um, you know, are, are very small between between those players. So I don't think, as I say, I don't think we'll see a lot of um, people being signed who are not fully on board that, and just can't look them in the eye and know that they're 100% committed to the cause. And that, that's got to be a good thing, even if they're even if they're slightly inferior to someone else who may be wavering on on some points. But you know, what, what I want for Celtic is 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 I want a coherent. Um, you know, solid philosophy and process around recruitment. You know, you, you obviously you've got to use the eye test. 
um, you got to use, but use data, video analysis, profiling, personality analysis, testimonials from people. You know, you've got to you've got to look at all of those things, all as much information as you can, because when Celtic spend for every million that Celtic spend is a big investment for for, for a club of our our ability to generate income in the market that we're at. So we can't be going throwing uh, money away. So it's not a case of just having someone stand in front of Ange and, and give him the, oh, yeah, he's a good guy. And it's not a case of saying, you know, show me your green and white blood. It, it can't be that. That's just, it's just mm. too simplistic. It's it's too, you know, it's too 18th century thinking, never mind 21st century thinking. You've got to have a proper joined up, um, you know, scouting uh, approach. Yeah, I think that's fair. And as you say, well, he's a winner in your book. If you, if you see him as a data guy, Alan, that's for sure. Um <laughs> <laughs> Brown Warrior says on YouTube lessons have been learned over how the how debacle by the board I believe ask the question and give them a week to make their mind up and move on if they cannot answer it that's an interesting point Tony because it's something that we talked about last week with the 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 quick signings that we made with the, the three players that we brought in from Japan very early in the window and something that seems to be carrying on is a stark change in the way that we're doing business and operating how much of that do you think is down to the board's change in tact based on the way they've been treated by some of the recent candidates? And how much do you think is it Ange sort of overpowering things and, and putting his point across? I think you have to, you cannot underestimate the, the manager's contribution here. Mm. But I think he's also, he's also made it plain that he wants a working relationship with the CEO. Yeah. And he's mentioned Michael Nicholson a couple of times and he's mentioned the specific relationship that they have it's pretty cordial, it's pretty friendly and, and they're working together so I think you've got two guys on the same page you know and I think Ange also knows the parameters of which Celtic operate in because he said at one point as well that we're not a club that will splash the cash in the January transfer window but we sort of looked on and as Alan alluded to there we haven't necessarily splashed the cash but we've brought in players and got that old phrase value for money you know, so Ange, is, Ange and uh, Michael Nicholson are working in tandem here. They won't necessarily splash the cash unless they think it's someone who can make a, a valuable contribution to the team, i.e. like Kyogo, when they splashed the what, 4.6 million for him. Ange knew exactly, and, and he was back then. So I think, you know, I think it's a two-way thing. I think uh, the board are trusting Ange's judgment, and he's putting faith in them to sort of listen to him and make his point. You know, he, he said earlier, maybe I wasn't forceful enough, but he was talking to different people then. He's now talking to Michael Nicholson, and I, I guess there's there's real kind of give and take here, isn't there? There seems to be a, a relationship, when, and as uh, Alan said there, that there seems to be a, a thought-out philosophy and plan when we're scouting players, going to conclude deals for players, and uh, the whole kind of, network of people coming together and, and those that are involved in such complicated processes but I think the manager has a big say you know and, and what's happening in terms of player recruitment and you could only listen to the manager can't you and and mm. uh, and see because he, he, he's not called it wrong so far has he in terms nope, of not players. so and you're excited with all the players that he's brought in so I think it's uh, there's been a real, as much as last season was a real disconnect from the top, the manager, the players, the supporters, there's been a, a gradual reconnection. And I think the manager has 
played a massive, massive part in that at all levels, from himself to the boardroom, from himself to the players, and from himself to the supporters. There's been a real reconnect and a real buy-in uh, from all parties, and there seems to be a lot of harmony there on and off the park, and long may that continue. It's it's I, I'm very happy with the way things are going on and off the park this season and I think I think everybody is. It's it's an interesting thing um that I think we're gonna hopefully reap the benefits of. And it's it's something that actually I wanted to pose to Alan. It's an interesting thing. It's maybe a bit premature to ask this, but Lee Burgess, um back at the beginning of the show said I think longer term we could should consider moving Ange into the director of football role, he's shown the qualities needed and could implement his philosophy for years, Alan what do you make of that, is that something that um, that we should consider for him in the longer term or do you think he's too much of a football man to for that to be an option for him I would guess the latter. I think he's somebody who wants to be uh, on the on the training ground, working with the players in the heat of the battle, under pressure. Everything's on him. Leader, leader of men. I don't. I think the director of football would would bore him. Stupid. And uh, I think he spoke. He spoke in the week about. I think on a uh, you know the, his, he sees his career path as being winning trophies at Celtic, and then eventually you know something like a nas- another national team job. I think would probably mm. uh, be where he'd want to go to. I mean, he's in his mid fifties now. Remember, so um, no, so I don't. I don't think that's really a goer. But I think what we're seeing now, and and I can't emphasize how important this is. We're now we are now seeing um, a manager um, driving the recruitment efforts, and and if you think we've had, I don't know how many years of Lowell ball. Of, of, of a self-appointed, you know, director of football, as as you mentioned, that role, uh, you know, having a, an unhealthy, uh, you know, direction set to who in, who gets recruited, not, uh, and it's astonishing in a, in a way that Celtic have been as successful as they have with that model in place. Um, so that's now those days. Hopefully, are gone. The one the one caution I would say is, I keep I keep in my mind. Um, um, the analogy that springs up when I, when I'm looking at what's happening today and the evidence I've got of what's happening today is I go back to when Gordon Strachan uh, joined, and I'm not saying that Postecoglou and Strachan are the same type of character or anything like that. The, the analogy that I'm going to make is around the their approach to transfer. So when Strachan came in, I don't know if you remember, but he'd spent a couple of years out of football. Um, and, and he'd been dragging his poor his poor wife around the world watching football matches, and he came he came back almost with a set of um, players that he'd scouted. Now in those days, we're talking sixteen years ago now. Even even Polish internationals like Boric and uh, and Zurawski were relatively. Um, <laughs> poorly scouted by today's standards. I mean, nowadays, Polish kids are snapped up by Bundesliga clubs as soon as they can walk, if they've shown any talent. But <laughs> even in, in those days, you know, Zoraski and Boric were part of a talented uh, Poland team uh, and, and were relatively cheap, by, you know, even, even by those those standards. And obviously he knew about Nakamura, etc. So he had, he had this, he brought in players that he knew uh, because he'd, he'd had that experience. And at, at the moment, you know, if you wanted, if I wanted to step, take a step back and be a devil's advocate and be a bit cynical, you could say at the moment we're using Angie's uh, Angie's uh, you know contact book and then some bloke in Ireland for kids. That's and that's that. And, that, and if you wanted to be a cynic, you could say that is our current um, um, strategy. Now that's why I'm what I'm keen to see is that as we move forward into the next transfer window and the one after that, that it, that, that that isn't the case and that actually this is just the start of a very organised. 
um, global globally searching scouting network that is using very um, you know consistent criteria and, and and methodologies to identify the best talent for Celtic at, at good value. That's what I want to see, uh, and that's but I still I still to see the evidence of that. But but what I'm wholly encouraged by is that we don't have a guy in a suit telling telling the manager who to sign, which is a massive step forward. You're talking yeah. about modernisation there, Alan, aren't you? <laughs> well, to me, it's not modern. To me, it's not modern. Uh, it's, it's, it's playing catch-up, really, is what yeah. I would say. Well, yeah. yeah, acting like a big club when it comes yeah. to these matters. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Well, any club. I mean, a lot of small clubs, so-called small clubs like Brentford, for example, have have found competitive advantage in doing this. Celtic as a club who has got access to, you know, huge amounts of fans and a worldwide fan base, but very low television and prize money income should be looking to exploit every single margin they possibly can. You know, we can't afford the best players in the world, but there's no reason why we can't afford the best scouting software, the best data, the best analytics people, the best sports scientists, right? Celtic could afford those things. You could buy 10 of those people for for what you'd waste on a a top striker, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. um, AGSC Tech actually Mm -hmm. says that they were under the impression that uh, Ange has access to the City Group uh, player database. I don't, know common knowledge? I, I, <laughs> I don't know if that's a secret or not. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know not, if such I'm not saying anything else. <laughs> uh, I, I was about to say, I don't know if such a thing exists. I don't know if, if it does. It's an interesting rumour, isn't it? It's an interesting rumour. But it is interesting, yeah. And it, to be honest, like you said, like you were talking about before with the, the, the potential postponement of any Rangers match, you've got to use every advantage you have. I don't think there's anybody in the world who doesn't use their contacts throughout that they've built up throughout their career to to better their current position and their current um, ability to do their job. So I don't think even if he is using something like that, that there is any problem with doing so. Um, Tony, you mentioned modernisation and that takes us on to uh, a particularly pertinent uh, next subject. Uh, a controversial one by some, but certainly one that's worth discussing. Um, the Scottish uh, or the SPFL have been looking at voting on whether VAR should become a part of the domestic game in Scotland. Um, and according to the Times, although they were sourced um, by Ewan over at um, 67 Hail Hail, so thanks for his piece on that this morning, Ewan Davidson. Um, they're talking about any potential vote that was supposed to happen at the start of this year now being delayed till April. With that in mind, Tony, um, 
what's your position on VAR? Do you think it's something that would benefit the Scottish game? Uh, do you think it's something that we need? Uh, are we simply lagging behind the rest of world football by not having it? What do you think? I think it would certainly benefit the Scottish game. Yeah, it comes at a cost, doesn't it? That's the, the biggest mm. problem, isn't it? That just how much would it cost? But I'm, I'm with Alan on these things. You, if you're going to improve it for the betterment of, of Scottish football, then you have to bring it in. You know, there's too too much at stake now for for it not to come in to Scottish football. It's, you know, you you are lagging behind. It would progress the game. A lot of people say it will kill the game, but I'd rather take the two or three minutes to decide, get decisions correct. You know, and that, it's people hate that that stop-start nature of it when when VAR's introduced. But you've got to get decisions correct because I said there's far too many, especially this season in particular. When you think of what's riding on this season, you know, for both. I mean, let's be honest; it's going to be Celtic and Rangers that are. Bring yourself to that vine for 40 million quid, you know. Mm. So, and it could come down to Alan talks about uh, margins all the time, but Alan will agree it could come down to margins, Alan, couldn't it? For the season for 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 access to 40 million quid. So, why wouldn't you bring something in that would you know clear a lot of these issues up and uh, make it make it uh, better uh, for everybody moving forward and progress your game? We can't con- be constantly lagging behind. You know, you talk about modernisation. Well, if VAR's the way forward, and people, there's pros and cons to VAR, but I think VAR has to come in. Hmm. Alan, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, because I remember watching it uh, when it first came in, I think it was two or three years ago now, uh, down in England, and the way it was being used there was... Uh, to me, an absolute atrocity. It was slowing the game down. It was being used far too often. The decisions were taking far too long to be made and the type of decisions that were being looked at were the wrong ones. I think a turning point for it was uh, Euro 2020 and the subsequent season that's happened. It seems to be getting used a lot more effectively and being a lot less disruptive to the game. If they could bring it in in that model and in that, form in which it's being used, do you think it would be an advantage to the Scottish game to have it? Yeah, I mean clearly, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say having more information is going to be a bad thing and help to help people make better decisions, right? Clearly, uh, that is the case. Um, but, you know, I think we have to be, uh, well, on the one on the one hand, um, we need to be cautious around um, how long it will take to embed and for the processes and the uh, for example to be to be slick and to be and to, and to work effectively i mean you know rugby has been using var for 22 years you know it was 2000 that rugby started using var so to me that means there's a wealth of knowledge and experience to be tapped there in terms of you know what are the pitfalls to avoid what are the accelerators to get us up and running quicker and avoid and avoid some of the common mistakes that they made in rugby, for example. Um, you know, goal line technology and the whole technology around it is all very well established now. They've been doing it in many leagues uh, yeah. for a long time. So the, I would imagine the the price point and the cost has been coming down as well. Um, but really, the technology is only as good as the people using it. It's all about designing 
people processes around the technology that are effective. That's the key thing. Um, and that's where people fall down. So don't blame the, the all, all VAR is, is a set of screens, monitors, wires and software, right? It's how people use it that's the critical thing or, or don't or don't use it effectively. So that's the key thing. How will this be used? What will be the protocols? What will be the procedures for using it? That's the critical thing to get right. And that's where we should be going and talking to all the countries and sports that are using it cricket's been using it for a long time and find and, and, and as i say accelerate through some of the pitfalls that they found to get to a better set of processes but uh, you know the, sorry i was just going to share an example of that would have been the other night alan with harry kane's goal was just allowed mm. i don't know if you saw it i didn't see it no i don't i don't, I don't watch much english football actually harry kane was in front of the mm defender wasn't he and uh, lots of people got confused as to the offside rule because the goalkeeper was in well, advance of Harry Kane as well and you know people were like he's onside but he clearly wasn't and VAR got it spot on. There's, 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 a, there's a few things that you know that are where football is different to rugby um, I mean rugby's rules are quite complicated um, and also you know but, but where rugby's easier is that the game is all in front of the referee uh, whereas with football, it's he's, he's got to have eyes in the back of his head, like Willie Collum has, and you know you've got to be, literally see 360 degrees to be able to uh, to catch all the action. Um, so, uh, and also rugby has is a lot more objective around um, a lot of the rules, whereas football is a way more subjective uh, sport. So, how much do I have to be leaning on you before it's a foul? You know, that's a really subjective. Uh, conversation, you know, what was my intent when the ball hit my arm in the box? You're, you're trying to read somebody's mind, really, in terms of what were they trying to achieve. So it's, a, it's so the, you're always going to have that highly subjective nature. And I think two things make it that I think that's one of two things that make it very frustrating for football fans. Okay, one is that is that you'll never remove that subjectivity and that subjective element from it. And we're just going to have to live with that. And the second thing is, and I, and I hate to say this, but football fans in general don't know the laws of the game. I've said it, but they they don't, and I've I've learned learned this the hard way. You know, I do a regular column on honest mistakes through this season because I was interested, given the what's what's um, at you know, as you said, twenty forty million prize fund at the end of it, and but people just don't know the laws of the game, and and actually I've started, and I'm including me in that, right? When I started looking at the laws of the game. It's no surprise because my God, don't they go on? <laughs> Isn't there a lot of them? And don't they go on and on and on? It's really and they, ch- hard. they change frequently as well. Aye. Yeah, Aye. so it's not an easy. thing. Isn't actually easy. I'm, I'm, so I'm not. I'm not sort of. I'm not trying to patronise anyone when I say that. It's actually, it's actually, unless you've studied the laws of the game and done a refereeing course, you probably don't because it is actually you're quite complicated. So that that, that I think that adds to the to the, um, to the uh, you know frustration. But what I would say is, in Scotland, it's absolutely needed because you've got to help these people. Uh, you, know, you know, there's a whole wider conversation about refereeing in Scotland that maybe you don't want to get into. But and, and some people will no doubt say, "Well, I bet you've got the same people using it." And I think that's a valid point, and I think there's a whole conversation to be had about how referees are being um, recruited, how they're being promoted who's getting assigned to what game, how they're being performance assessed. There's a whole debate to be had on that as well. I think the other thing, Tony, as well is for me, um, and you can tell me whether you agree with this or not, but I think there was a misconception when VAR came in that it was going to uh, remove debate around refereeing decisions. No. If anything, it just changed what the debate was about. So yeah. I think for me anyway, it, it's not going to it's not going to change the back and forth you have about decisions. It's just going to change who you're blaming for it. 
<laughs> Probably, yeah. I mean, it's but it's everything else. Therefore, he can, you know, he can go to a monitor and with his own eyes give a decision based on what he, what he's what he sees, you know, what he maybe didn't see in real time. So, you know, ultimately it'll be it'll be his decision, won't it? I mean, you have people mm. in here telling him, you know, you might want to have a look at that. So, at the end of the day, the referee's still got the, the final say on it, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. So, I think I think when they brought in VAR in England, I think Mike Riley said that um, if if they reduce the amount of errors by 2%, that that's, that was their goal because you're really looking at and again people probably don't appreciate this. Yes, all referees make mistakes, but you're really you're 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 trying to get from ninety five percent to ninety seven percent. That's what you're yeah. trying to get. That really is. The, we're talking about that level of margin. So you know, but the eye, people's eyes and experience yeah. and physical um, abilities allow them to get about ninety five percent of decisions correct. You give them technology, you push that up to ninety seven, ninety eight percent. You'll never get to hundred percent. I think it was Jock Steen who famously said that the eye sees what it wants to see. Didn't he when he was talking about certain decisions there uh, when it came yeah, to referees? We're, we're, all, we're all inherently biased, Tony, apart from Scottish yeah. referees, of course, are not, yeah, as we all know. <laughs> <laughs> but am I right in thinking, Alan, there's 17 laws of football, but there's all like B, C's and D's. I bet they go on and on and on. Uh, subsection D, subparagraph uh, yeah. 3. It becomes a match brother sketch then, doesn't it? The party in the first part and the other part. Yeah, indeed. No, just, uh, but no, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think ultimately it's going to come down to, to that, isn't it? That the referee will make the final decision. You know, and you often see in England especially the referees doing that because despite what they've been told in the rear, they, they want to check for themselves, don't they? I mean, it's just only it's human nature, mm-hmm. it's natural. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 think, the, the critical thing is the question that's asked, right? In rugby, yeah. that's the key thing. What What is the question that I'm asking of the of the VAR official? That's the key thing. And that's completely transparent in rugby, you know. And, and it could be something quite open-ended, like, is there any reason I cannot award this try? So you kind of go back to a certain point, and then he says, "Was there a forward pass? Was there a knock on? Did somebody was somebody in an offside position, etc., etc., etc.?" But that, that's, and I think that's where football is failing: is they're not, we're not transparent about what the VAR is checking and what triggers that check. And I think you have to be transparent about both those things: what triggers a review, and what is the question that's asked. And if you can get those two things to be transparent to people, then you know you can see this consistency in how it's being applied. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting point. I think it's one of these things, it will come eventually. I think it's unavoidable. And let's just hope that when it is implemented, uh, it, it, they do so in a fair and, uh, you know, balanced manner, as they do with so many things in the Scottish game. Um, so thanks, everybody, for commenting on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Twitch, wherever you're listening, we really appreciate. We've got over 700 of you watching at the moment, uh, and we really enjoy having you all involved in the chat. Um, to close out the show, we've got 15 minutes to go. Um, Tony, I'm going to come to you first of all. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about obviously the decision uh, to allow full houses back at Celtic Park and stadiums around Scotland. Uh, I take it I don't really need to ask you whether you think that's a good thing or not. <laughs> Yeah, it's common sense, wasn't it? Let's be honest, how many people are sitting there going, is it Monday yet, is it Monday yet, is it Monday yet? You know, people love, this country is just a football-loving nation, regardless of what football team you support. 
and to be deprived that privilege and honour of going to watch a football team and pleasure. Sometimes it's not, but you know that whole <laughs> process, the mechanics of going to a football match. You know, it's handed down from generation to generation. You know, that, that that's why we love it. We love the controversy that comes with it, VAR or no VAR. We just we we consume this game. You know, it's just, just you know we love it with a passion and you know, in my heart and soul. So to, to deprive people of that, you know, it was, it was probably more detrimental than anything over the mm. past few weeks. But you can understand why we did it. And now we it was a wise decision to bring the break forward. And now we've got to the stage where we can now all enjoy football and we, we carry out the, the... You know, we be responsible, do the health checks and all that, adhere to the protocols. You know, this is the way it should have been operating for, for many a month. You know, but fans, you know, you ask any football fan of any club when there's no football on, they just miss it so much. You know, it's it's, it's the camaraderie, it's the social aspect of it. You know, apart from the actual act of watching a football match, it, it just stirs the blood. It's just something that we, we all love, you know, and yeah. I... I just think that common sense prevailed and thankfully there's a full house to welcome Scottish football back on Monday night and it shaping up to be a cracking game for both sets of supporters and, and both teams. Some nice subplots with Sean Maloney coming back to Celtic Park as a manager, that kind of thing. But it's just joyous to see it back, isn't it? Because all we've done since for the past three weeks is talk about it anyway. <laughs> you know, so we'll never tire of talking about it but we all love watching it don't we we all love that the actual spectacle of being at a football match and watching the drama unfold mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. It's, it's, it's a funny thing because I was watching Liverpool Arsenal last night in the Carabao Cup and people would call that a much more glamorous brand of football and whatever. I think I speak for everybody watching this when I say you talked about missing the football. I miss Celtic when even when there's other football on. I, I, I get far more invested in a Celtic Forfar Cup tie than I would in a Real Madrid Barcelona match. Yeah, they're nice to watch, but you know it's not the same kind of thing. So it's it, I'm I'm itching for Monday night to be back. And for anybody watching, you will of course know that um, we will be doing match coverage that night for uh, as always yeah. on Axom. And for anybody who's wanting a little Celtic fix over the weekend, um, Andy Rafferty will be at the Celtic B game over the weekend and doing a little bit of um pre-match, half-time and post-match coverage of the Celtic B match for us as well. So you can get your little fix over the weekend if you just need a wee something to tide you over. Um, Alan, I'll come to you. Um, Tony touched on it, the, the subplots with Hibs, the fact that, that Sean Maloney has come in as manager 
player. Uh, he's getting a lot of praise uh, early on before having done very much. But, you know, we've had glimpses of, of the way that he talks about the game and he <clears throat> seems to seems to do so very intelligently. And, you know, he's had a lot of experience as a number two to to, uh, to Martinez at Belgium. And, and, you know, he seems to be very highly thought of. What kind of challenge do you think his Hibs team can pose against us on Monday night? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, I think just as firstly, just to echo uh, Tony's very passionate and eloquent uh, defence of why fans should be there. Although I think we should just spare a moment of thought for those players who are scared to, front, to play in front of uh, large crowds because you know it must be you know upsetting for them. But um, you know, yeah, <laughs> the, the, the thing was there was no real science behind. You know, fans not being at football really. I mean, the the, the fans are still going to the football. I, I live in England. I'm in Sheffield, so the fans are still going to the games down here. So I think it was probably an over cautious uh, move. I'd put it that way. But you know, you know, if you and I were managing a a pandemic, well, actually, if I was managing a pandemic, it would be meetings after work every day <laughs> and bottles of gin. But there you go. That's just that's just me. But anyway, sorry. What was the question you asked me? Oh yeah, hips. Right. No hips. I think so. I think there's, I think there's dangers there. Right. So uh, any any club as we've seen. Actually, any club that's got a new manager, there, there tends to be a, a bit of positivity and a bit of a bounce. I loved we Sean as a player. He's one of my favourite players. Yeah, because I think, you know, you could see he was a thoughtful lad. And I like the fact that he could play in a lot of different positions, that he was a, he was he was as two-footed as, as a lot of players get. And he was exciting and he, and he, he did the exciting stuff and the clever stuff. So I love the wee man and uh, he speaks very well about football. Um, now, you know, that, you know, it's going to take him a while to make his mark. Um, I, I don't see him having a transformational uh, effect on on Hibs to the extent that suddenly they're going to be, you know, playing ten levels above their abilities or anything like that. But but clearly, he, you know, he will have them set up in a way that will be problematic for Celtic. Um, I don't know if he's a particularly defensive coach. So that will be interesting to see. Will he will he will he go out all at attack? I can't imagine he's somebody who's going to set up like St Mirren where and actually that that Carabao Cup match last night reminded me of of <laughs> watching Celtic against St Mirren, watching Liverpool <laughs> fruitlessly launching high balls in the box against three central defenders. You're sort of thinking, yeah, you get paid an awful lot more money than ours do to make such bad decisions. So it made me feel a little bit better actually about that. So, you know, I, I'd be surprised if if, uh, if if Maloney is a particularly defensive coach, but on the other hand, you know, international football is very pragmatic, and he's got a lot of experience in coaching and, and helping Martinez on that. So I, I don't know. I honestly don't know what we'll get in that regard, but um, I, I suspect that we'll see an uptick in their performance. I think um, even in the cup final. Uh, we, I don't think Celtic actually played very well, but Hibs were, Hibs were actually were really poor. <laughs> People kind of forget that, and uh, we could kind of just remember the fact that we won. And then the game at Easter Road, we, we won, I think, quite quite um, comfortably actually. So um, I don't know what we're going to get. Uh, I suspect they'll be coherent. I suspect they'll be um, buzzing a bit and, and be well well up for it and more coherent than they were in the two games that we've played them so far. But certainly um, it's going to be a great a great evening and uh, just having him there on the, on the other touchline is going to be, going to be special. Uh, it is going to be special and it's going to be strange because I have to say, <clears throat> as I get older and I realise I'm speaking to our, uh, uh, commenters and viewers and, and other people who are much older than me, but I have to say I'm still getting used to this idea that uh, a player I saw come through as a young player and break into the first <laughs> team is now, yeah, is now a distinctly middle-aged manager, you know, but uh, that's... that's the, the majesty of time, isn't it? It just marches on. Um <laughs> Tony, um, 
Hibs might be fielding what looks like a particularly different side if you believe some of the rumours in the papers about you know transfer offers. I think Martin Boyle was subject of a, a money spinning offer from the Middle East, which Hibs rejected, much to his his chagrin. Um, it's a it's a funny time of year, isn't it, to be playing teams because you don't know even if they aren't leaving the club whether they're going to be fielded in the if they're in the middle of negotiations to leave. Do you think we're going to see? You know, a full strength Hibs team based on on those rumours, or do you think it's just going to be a case of business as usual for them? I think Sean Maloney will play strongest team, won't he? Mm. He's looking for a result, you know. And and if Sean Maloney has designs of maybe being the Celtic manager one day, you know, a lot of eyes will be on Sean Maloney's team from a Celtic supporters' perspective just to see the way his team lining up. You know, they see the way they play, the style, the philosophy, the approach. You know, and. Uh, and yeah, he'll, he'll, I think you want to remark an impression. I know Alan will maybe have a look at it in terms of a, an analytical point of view and say things, but you'll be interested in that, Alan, won't you? Just to see the way they shape up and the, the way they play and their style, you know. So, you know, you do all the, the stats for all the teams. So, uh, uh, that subplot to me is very interesting. You know, so you don't want Sean Maloney doing Celtic any title damage, <laughs> to be honest. So, yeah, but uh, I think I think, I think in the, going on. Sorry, 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 I was going to say over over. You know, to be fair, even when Neil, when Neil Lennon was there, they 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 actually gave Celtic more trouble than a lot of teams because they played mm. football. You yeah. know, whereas the vast majority of the league are, play a long ball variant, uh, Hibs Hibs uh, traditionally hadn't, and and although they they came away losing games four two and so forth, they they often gave Celtic a lot of problems and created more than most teams do, and I I would expect Maloney to go back yeah. to a, a football playing philosophy, which I think suits the players that they do have anyway better than um, Jack Ross's more pragmatic style, which I don't think. Uh, suited the players that 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 well. I think I've always thought that Habs were one of those teams that do come out to play. You know, I, I, mm. I've always thought that. Regardless, as Aaron says, they, they, they might lose, but they come out to play football. They never really fit in, and and they are one of those teams who traditionally create a lot more than other teams who come to Celtic Park because of the nature of the and the style that they play. That they actually want to play football. I, I can't remember seeing a Habs team sit in. You know, to, to my knowledge, uh, maybe as you say, Jack Ross, your team are a bit more pragmatic, but uh, in, his, in, in my history of watching Celtic, Hibs were always a team that came to win or came to play. I certainly came to attack and uh, be entertaining. Never always turned out that way. I, but yeah, I think they're going to have some issues. I, I believe McGinn and Porteous are suspended. Now, Porteous, I'm disappointed he's suspended because he's an absolute... I just thought it was a disaster of a defender. So I wish he was playing, to be honest. But um, you know, beginning's pretty solid. And I think if Boyle if Boyle is is really being thwarted in his attempts to move, then as as we're going back to our previous conversation, an unhappy player is a not an effective player. So that's probably good news for Celtic as well. Yeah, and he's, yeah, also, been linked, he's a... also been linked with Celtic, hasn't he? So I think Tony, I think I think the phrase is lies and fabrications. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll leave it at the we'll leave it at the sharp intake of breath, Alan. I think that's what we'll do. Um Tony, I'll come back to you first on, on Celtic. Let's focus on our own team going forward. What are you hoping to see from them on their return? Obviously we've got such positive news about, you know, returns from injury and 
Of course, some would suggest that's why we asked for the for the delay uh, for the uh, break to be brought forward. Uh, nothing to do with the global pandemic or anything like that. But um, we've obviously got Jota is back from Benfica. Um, Kyogo will have had extra time to come back from that injury that he suffered just before the break. Uh, Julian was back in training yesterday although it's a bit early for him that's an encouraging sign uh, I think he played a game behind closed doors 45 minutes at least anyway um, what are you expecting to see from Celtic on Monday Just are we expecting a, a typical Ange performance right out of the gate do you think? I'd like to think so wouldn't you I'm, I'm particularly interested to see the, the Japanese contingent mm. I, I, I wish to give my starting 11 to the Celtic way Today and I, I put a uh, Hitachi and Maida in the starting eleven. You wow! Know, you can never second guess Ange, but I think of the three, those two will start. You know, to say two or three ain't bad. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> but uh, and I think Gucci might feature at some point. But yeah, I, I fully expect a high tempo performance from Celtic because they need to come out the block. Every game's a must win game now. They cannot afford to slip up at all so you you have to go hell for leather that and Greg Taylor was speaking to the media yesterday he said it was the business end of the season but Celtic will do their talking on the park that that was an angism for me yeah that, that, was, that was that came straight from the manager say nothing we'll do our talking on the park right I, I, it clearly was it's that laser like focus so I think that it's now Christmas has come they've won the first trophy they are now thinking, right, let's have a real rip at this. So I fully expect to see a Celtic firing on all cylinders, whether it pans out or not like that. We'll see. Could be could come down to the way Habs play too, but I think it's just it's a really exciting game to come back to. It really is. Um, Alan, I think uh, Greg Taylor and what Tony touched on there is a good point. The, the title run-in really begins now, doesn't it? It does. So what I've observed so far with Fange is that um, he's 21 days it will have been uh, since we last played. Um, the longer Ange has that squad on the training pitch, the better Celtic will become. And I fully expect to see another step forward in coherence uh, of, about our attacking and defending patterns and the way that we're playing uh, compared to the last time we saw the team take the pitch, which was with a team full of odd, odds and sods and, and so yeah. forth. So I expect a higher degree of coherence and a higher degree of um, team team um, uh, performance, really. I hope, I hope he doesn't put anyone on the pitch who's not 100% fit, and that we're not we don't risk players who really aren't quite uh, there or available yet, um, uh, because we we have got so many games now. I, I expect Celtic to make a right go of the Europa uh, Conference which means there's good, potentially going to be a lot of games. Scottish Cup is about to start as well. That's another five five rounds there. So I expect us to be firing for all trophies. That's Ange's philosophy very much. You want to win every game, you want to win every trophy that's on offer. But we need to manage the players carefully. And we've had too many players who clearly shouldn't have been on the pitch getting injured. And that is inexcusable and has to stop. Mm. 
that's that's certainly a, an aspect of of the the team that I hope changes uh, in the second half of the season. I think continuing with this constant worry that we're going to have injuries and we're going to have players dropping like flies is not something that's good for the heart or the blood pressure for the second half of the season. Um, thanks very much, Alan and Tony, for getting involved. Thanks everybody in the comments for getting involved. But before we go, Chilpill said at the very beginning of the show, and I'm going to pose this question to Tony. What was the Rio tune you mentioned this morning, Mr. Haggerty? I missed this. So I would like to know what, what tune you've got in your in, up your sleeve, because you do like to write a wee ditty from time to time. There's a song called Ritmo de la Noche, right? But, and that's the chorus. Of re, when the chorus goes, Ritmo, Ritmo de la Noche. But I said, substitute the words, Rio, Rio, Rihatate. It's just, it's a brilliant tune. It's a wee dance tune. And, uh, I would like to see the Celtic supporters take that on board. Uh, he, he, honestly, it's as catchy as anything. You you will now listen to this song and you will not be able to say Rimo de la Noche. You will sing Rio Rihatate. It's, uh, it lends itself to it. Honestly, I hope he's, I hope he's, I hope he's good. I know it's obvious, but I'm sorry. Mm. I'm, I'm old enough that no, I hope if, he's good. If, if, if we don't take the opportunity to use a Duran Duran song, then I'm going to be really upset. I, <laughs> I just think that's, that's too easy. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I know it is, but yeah. we've got to have options there, guys. We've got to have options. And let's get our priorities in place. Let's have the song in place before we even see him in a Celtic shirt. Let's let's get the priorities right. Um, thanks very much, everybody, for watching. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Tony. It's been a fantastic show today. I've really enjoyed it. Um, and we will see you as usual next week for the usual bulletins and for the match coverage for the return of the Hoops on Monday. Thanks again. What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything, but losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. 
Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.